Hello and welcome to Game & Watch with Aaron and James, the show where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we've been watching. I'm Aaron. And I'm James. And today we're talking about the 2019 movie X-Men Dark Phoenix, not to be confused with the 2000 Who Cares X-Men 3. <laughs> you know, well, we'll get into it, but I think these movies are, this movie is closer to that one than you think. Me personally, or one, you know, one as in one person. Oh, I, I'm, I think that this movie is not as bad as X-Men The Last Stand. But I, I I do think that it might be closer to being as bad as it at, than you do. I see. Well, that is what I I'm mean, saying. Fair enough. But we'll closer. Talk about it. I have there are things about this movie. I, I was actually I'm just going to say up front. I really went into this movie expecting to hate it, to loathe it. And I didn't. But I all that. But that I set a very low bar for it. And for myself, I guess I, but it cleared, I it cleared the hurdle, but not, but not without stumbling. So I get yeah. that. I get that. Tell us, uh, tell us, how did we get here? How did this even happen? Yeah. So this movie was written and directed by Simon Kinberg, who had written and or produced various other X-Men movies. Like I think he came out, he came in after X2. So it was last stand first class days of future past. X-Men Apocalypse, and then this. And then he also produced other movies like Logan, The Martian. I think he was nominated for an Oscar for producing The Martian, actually. And Deadpool 1 and 2. So he's been involved in X-Men and X-Men adjacent things other than The Martian. Unless The Martian yes. is actually part of this universe. We don't know not. that it's not. We don't we, know that. Just because it was adapted from a book that's not part of this universe doesn't mean that the movie wasn't part of this universe. Exactly. Right? But one of the things that gave me hope when I saw this movie coming out was Simon Kinberg because he was associated with good X-Men films uh, and good films in general. Um, I also, though, kind of forgot he is also associated with very bad X-Men films. Yeah. I mean, what did you think about X-Men Apocalypse? I hated it. Yeah, I, I hated know. it. I hated it, too. I thought it was that. I think I'll just say right now, I think that and The Last Stand are the two worst X-Men movies. I'm going to agree with you on that. Easily, uh, though, I think this is my third least favorite. What's shocking, though, is that Apocalypse, that was directed by Singer. Is that right? No, uh, yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. And the last stand was Brett Ratner. That fuck. Well, I, mean, I guess right. both him and Brian Singer are both fucks. Yeah. Tell us about Brian Singer being a real fuck. Well, Brian Singer was originally going to be a producer here, but was removed due to sexual assault allegations. Um, uh, so, which are wild if you look into them. Yes. Uh, really, crazy really event. very upsetting. So yeah. fuck that guy. Um, so this is so weird, weird uh, pivot. Same costume designer <laughs> in this movie is Logan. That's the next thing I had in my notes. Um so he kind of worked to help create X-Men uniforms that were more accurate to the comics. And I'm going to guess that we both are in agreement that the X-Men costumes in this are pretty neat. Um, well, yeah, we'll get to it. I have some thoughts on the costumes. Um, I'd, I'd like to wait until the film proper. Though. Okay. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, but the cinematographer here I had never heard of, but he won an Oscar for Avatar, which I don't care about. Um, but I don't like really know what anything else he's done other than Avatar. 
Um, I thought the cinematography was pretty good. <clears throat> um, I, I generally agree with you. And this is dipping a little bit into talking too much about the movie, but I'll, I, I think that this movie sometimes suffers sometimes not as much as so many other superhero movies do, namely like every DC movie or most of the DC movies that came out in the initial like phases of the DC ex, uh, extended universe. But sometimes I think this movie's too dark, like literally too dark. There's too many scenes that take place in darkness or at night. Yeah, I, yeah, I would say the color palette is a little dark. But sometimes I, it's it's depending on how you handle it. A good cinematographer can handle that well, and I think this guy was capable of doing that. Um, yeah, the score was done by Hans Zimmer, which I did not know going in. Um, very interesting because Hans Zimmer had previously stated I don't remember what movie it was. I think it was Batman versus Superman might have been it. He was like, I'm done doing superhero movies i'm sick of scoring these things and this was the thing that got him to be like "Ooh, i actually really want to score another superhero movie well okay so i can see i can see them making a pitch like while the movie was in production or even before production and i can see them pitching this film as very different than the final product yeah i can see them pitching this film as a very character-centered piece that would maybe attract him just think about something yeah. like Dune, which is done. Dune is this big, it's not a superhero movie, but it's a big, crazy, huge action film, which right. he's done a lot of. Um, but that movie is very personal and has some really amazing characters. So that may have been, I, this is completely speculation on my part, but that may yeah. be what hooked him. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go into it in a little bit. There's, there were definitely some, this movie was supposed to take a very different form or forms. Um, it went through a lot of changes uh, for reasons that were sometimes kind of out of certain people's control um also apologies to anyone listening if you can hear loud booming music in the background there's a street festival going out going on outside my uh condo and it's very annoying um hopefully it will not be a problem um additionally you may hear thunder uh on my end um because where i live it's like the grand line and the weather changes every 10 minutes (laughs) They, or in like the new world, especially the new world is crazy. Yeah. The yeah. Is. yeah. Um, anyway, back to this. So dark Phoenix is a sequel to X-Men apocalypse. The character of Jean gray, this younger version of Jean gray, this time played by Sophie Turner, as opposed to, I think her name is pronounced Famke Jansen, something like that. Um, in the old X-Men movies, um, this Jean gray was introduced in apocalypse. So we have not had much time with her. Frankly, no, even, even Apocalypse, she got a little screen time, but she was certainly not a central character. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so Days of Future Past, which was the prequel to Apocalypse, that was the effort by the studio to merge the timeline of these new X-Men kind of the kind of X-Men reboot done by X-Men first class with the old X-Men movies, but in a way that made it essentially so the events of X-Men, the last stand never happened. But I'm, also so they could have Hugh Jackman as Wolverine again, I'm sure as many times as they possibly could. Yeah. And Days of Future Past would be, a, would be an interesting one to do. And, and we ended up landing on this one, I think in part because I hadn't seen it before. And in part, because you seem to have a little bit of, a kind of love like some love for this movie which i think i, I mean I, I guess i needed a reason to watch it even though i honestly might not have ever watched it if we didn't if we didn't do it for to, this 
despite some large issues, I still have, I do have a soft spot for this. Film. Okay. And um, I'm very, very think, excited to kind of hear more about why that is true. Yeah. I think, I think this is on the knife's edge of watch or don't watch. Um, I'm going to put it on watch. Uh, Apocalypse, last in, don't watch. Yeah. Um, so the attempt was for this movie to be more faithful to the Dark Phoenix saga than X-Men The Last Stand was. And Kinberg wanted to make the story more grounded, less intergalactic than the comics, despite trying to also be faithful. And it has been a minute since I've read the Dark Phoenix saga. It's been quite a long time. Um, I don't know if this is, and I also am kind of living in this age of like, stop adapting things I like because they're all ending, turning out to be shit. Granted, like, I mean, I, I had never read Dune, so I'm more than happy for them to, to read, to, to adapt Dune and fuck it up because I didn't, I hadn't read the book. I didn't like, I wouldn't have been devastated if it was a fuck up. Um, yeah. But like, I just, anime, all this kind of stuff, like stop adapting things I like. It's just, <laughs> it's not working. Um, <laughs> well, I, I think part of it was that, um, like you said, they wanted to make it more grounded. Um, but that also what people forget is there's a whole Phoenix saga and then yeah. the Dark Phoenix saga. Yeah. So I understand you want to keep it grounded, but to even get to Dark Phoenix, you have to do Phoenix, which in and of itself is pretty cosmic. Also, this movie features a lot of cosmos, despite it, it, not wanting it to be intergalactic. It does, but you know, like, I mean, if, have you read the Dark Phoenix saga? I guess I'm stepping on that section. I have. Of our, of our I, I read the Phoenix and Dark Phoenix. Yeah. And, you, know, or, you, you can't get to one without the other. Right. And I guess when I'm saying the Dark Phoenix saga, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to be all encompassing about that. But there's right. a lot more intergalactic shit going on. I mean, they got the scrolls involved. Like, there's, there's more going on. The ones that are Professor X's girlfriend. The yeah, I can't remember. Oh, man, I can't remember her name. But she was originally going to be in this movie, actually. Um, a, lot of, a lot of things were originally going to be in this <laughs> Yeah. Movie. So this movie had a delayed release uh, because there was a need to reshoot things. And there were a lot of reasons for that. And I'll get into that in a second. Um, but there was a lot of chaos in just getting this movie released. It, it had been delayed. Um, like, and again, no, it never, never works out. Really, um, Jessica Chastain even said she never really understood her character and said her character kept changing. That doesn't surprise me. Um, I think that her character, I mean, it makes sense in the movie, sort of. It's not like a complete disaster, but I could I could imagine a situation in which she like was frustrated with like not knowing what her character was supposed to be doing. I think um, that is less a function of the final product and probably more a function of the reshoots. Yeah, sure it, probably- it might be. I'm sure they probably played with her character to figure out what they wanted to do, which I'm sure as an actress is really frustrating because you don't really know what the final product is actually going to look like. Right. Right. So the original plans, there's, there's a lot of them. I'm I'm not going to touch on absolutely everything, but they're originally going to have the hellfire club as villains, which they are in the saga. If correct me if I'm wrong, but they are partially responsible for corrupt, helping corrupt Jean once she takes on the Phoenix power. Right. They kind of help release the dark Phoenix. Yeah, and in other adaptations, um, like the excellent Wolverine and the X-Men TV <clears throat> show, uh, the Hellfire Club is directly responsible as well. Gotcha. Okay. That was in a, that it got rewritten to be the scrolls. I honestly don't remember how the scrolls are involved in the Phoenix saga. Um well, I have a feeling they wouldn't let them because they're doing scroll stuff in the MCU now. Right. And um, 
Also, that, sorry to interrupt again, but no, the it's okay. Club were, the, were the villains of the first one. They they were they were with yeah. the incredible perfect no notes January Jones as Emma Frost performance. <laughs> I mean, I can say pretty phenomenal performance by Kevin Bacon. Absolutely, I, yeah. absolutely. But tell us about the throwaway villains we get in this one. Well, as we get the Dabari, who are characters in the Phoenix Saga, but and 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 all I remembered about them. And I'm just stepping on sort of the plot of the movie, but who cares? But what I, what I remembered about them is that in, in the comic, Gene, and we're not going to talk about the comic that much, I promise. Um, Gene, I think after the Dark Phoenix has been released, she destroys their entire home. Yes, yes. And they're not happy about that, obviously. And they kind of tried to utilize that here. I just find it interesting that they wouldn't tie back to the Hellfire Club when you did that in an earlier film. If you want to try to be like the MCU, I don't know, call back on yourself a little bit. I don't know. But I could I could see people criticizing it for, you know, didn't we already defeat the Hellfire Club? Yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, the, how many people were in the Hellfire Club in, in uh, first class? It was like four I mean, not mutants. a lot. Yeah. No, yeah. So the original plan was to tell this story in two movies uh, with the more villainous side of Gene being kind of the focus of the second movie. So basically Phoenix, Dark Phoenix, there are your two movies. And the idea of a sequel was canceled when Disney acquired 21st Century Fox. And Disney also supposedly cut footage from Dark Phoenix and the New Mutants that was intended to set up additional movies afterwards. Um, That always ends up being a problem. It does. Also, I do know that Disney basically buried this film. There was yeah. almost no, there was almost no advertising for it. I only knew it was coming out because I mm. had my ear to the ground for nerd stuff. Yeah. But if you're just the average moviegoer, I don't really think you would know this was coming out. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I even remember, more so the New Mutants. They buried that one even deeper. Yeah. Exactly. And I remember seeing it when it came out, Dark Phoenix, and the theater was like empty, and I saw it like on a Friday or a Saturday night. Hmm. I mean, I'm not surprised. Uh, I mean, and it also didn't help that Apocalypse was received so poorly. This, I think, actually has the worst, maybe, critical reaction that I saw. Well, whether it's the worst, like, of those new X-Men movies, that is debatable. But That's crazy to me. This isn't a great movie, but it's not that bad. Um, the reception was mixed at, at, at best um, to bad. Even Chris Claremont himself, he's the author or creator of X-Men, right? No. No, no, sorry. No. Chris Claremont Chris, wrote like Days of Future Past. He, yeah, he's yeah. huge, huge, hugely important to the X-Men, but not a creator. Yeah, yeah, of course. And so he's, he's himself said, this is not a story you can do in one movie. That is true. Kinberg was a champ and was like, this is my fault. Like, uh, you know, I did what I could, but like ultimately a fault, the responsibility falls on me. And uh, yeah, it does, Simon. <laughs> um, Simon Kinberg, yeah. So I have no history with this movie. It, it it came, I knew it was coming out. I also had my ear to the ground for nerd stuff. And I was so kind of annoyed at X-Men after Apocalypse that I had kind of given up and I wasn't really interested in watching it. And I, so I just skipped it. And I honestly was fine never watching it. Um, but now. till now, what is your history? So again, I, I saw the film when it came out and I know it had been very badly bombed um, in reviews and I saw it with my brother anyway. And we came out of the movie thinking, you know, because we again went in with our bars very low 
we were expecting it to be a D, you know, D minus F. Mm -hmm. We left the theater and we kind of looked at each other and we said, that was okay. Um, It was kind of a B minus. In addition, I'm predisposed to have affinity for the X-Men. I grew up watching the 90s X-Men cartoon. I read X-Men comics. Um, Later in college, I watched Wolverine and the X-Men. I saw all the X-Men movies. Uh, Wolverine and the X-Men, excellent. You should watch it if you have not. I have So I love X-Men video games, just anything X-Men. I'm a huge fan of. I love the current reboot of the X-Men in the comics. Mm. Um, I highly recommend that people check that out. But yeah, I'm, I'm just a, I have a soft spot for the old X people. Nice. Um, the X people and Spider-Man are the two Marvel properties that I just really, really care about. I think those are the two I like the most, though. I think you might, I, I are, I'm sure you care about them more than I do. I, I, I read X-Men comics. I wasn't like a very consistent reader. I definitely caught like some of the most major arcs. Like I mentioned Days of Future Past I liked and, um, you know, obviously the Phoenix Saga and Dark Phoenix Saga. The thing that I, and I'm not the biggest comic guy. And when I do read comics, I like when things are a little bit more contained. Um, That is to say, like, you know, Days of Future Past and this have, and I'm talking about the comics, not the movies. They have like, like Doctor Strange will show up, right? In Days of Future Past. And then like here, like you have the scrolls and things like that. There is like this intergalactic, like sometimes across multiverses, like there are, there's so much going on. And I generally prefer my comic stories to be a little bit more contained and focused and not constantly, I don't know, dipping into other Marvel properties on the side, but I get them. That's, that's what a comic does. That's what it's, its point is. And I'm glad the movie doesn't do that. Like beast is in this movie in Phoenix Saga, Beast is barely in it because he's an Avenger. And I'm really glad they didn't like, I mean, they couldn't have done it because the whole Disney thing, but like, I'm glad they didn't do something like that. That would have been silly to me. And you have to get to continue in with these characters that we've now, a lot of the, we've been with since first class. And that's exactly what I was saying. Part of this movie is wrapping up a lot of those storylines. Yeah. So it wouldn't make sense to just not have Beast it makes no sense to have beast and him be like still in his early thirties, but he's, yeah. he's in it. Yeah. Well, let's get into the plot because I, I think that this movie does some things right, but overall I think like it, it in terms of like wrapping, if wrapping up things, it does not do a very satisfying job, but that also might be because I never really gave a shit about, or I stopped giving a shit about a lot of these characters a while ago, these movie characters, First class I thought was really great. Days of Future Past, I was actually surprised at how I, I kind of felt lukewarm on it initially, and then it grew on me a lot. Um, I enjoyed the way they did the crossover, and I would say overall I like that movie. I think it's quite good. And then Apocalypse, I, I was like, I I hate all these new mutants. I, I really I don't really like the casting for almost all of them. Um, even some of the casting for the mutants that were introduced in first class i'm not a huge fan of but we'll I'll, i do have ones that i do like very much mutants i think that work very well and i'll we'll talk about those as we go yeah but should we uh should we jump into it yeah let's do it all right so uh the movie uh often the x-men movies or oftentimes they'll open with a monologue um typically from charles xavier however this yeah. movie opens with a monologue by gene gray 
Um, and it's pretty bland, it's pretty generic. It's just about fate and our choices defining us and destiny. And what did you think about that? Yeah, it's very bland. And it doesn't help that Jean Grey is played by Sophie Turner, who yeah, I don't I, think is a good actress really at all. Um, I, I think she's serviceable in Game of Thrones. And I have, the way that I'd like to describe it is that there are certain actors who are very, very good at fantasy acting. There's this other kind of like heightened level of like almost like medieval fantasy, especially like medieval fantasy type stuff. It could be like sci-fi fantasy stuff too, but like, like Kit Harrington is very good as Jon Snow. He is a lousy actor in in everything I've seen him do outside of that. Um, Some breakthrough, and I use Game of Thrones as an example because I feel like, I I feel like a lot of them are like that. Like, I don't think Amelia Clark is too great of an actress. I think um, Richard Madden is incredible. Uh, And I think he's one of the rare ones. I mean, but the thing is, and I'm talking about some of these like younger guys in Game of Thrones who then kind of started branching off doing other things. Like Game of Thrones was their first thing. Like like Sean Bean, we knew was good. Yeah. And he's in Game of Thrones. I think Maisie Williams has been good in anything else I've seen her in. I I agree with that too. But I I just, I've not been a fan of Sophie Turner. I like some of her like physically for Jean, because I think Jean, she's tall. And I like Jean being a taller woman, like kind of a very like powerful presence um, because Jean is an incredibly great character in general. Um, And I think that, I mean, I, I, I was happy to see, generally like the physicality of of sophie turner i guess is gene but i just don't think sophie turner is a good actress and i don't i think she is bland fully agreed fully agreed i think for a movie to rest on her shoulders um she cannot bear the weight of it yes i would agree but let's cut back to good old Jean Grey. We get a flashback to 1975. Um, I don't think we mentioned that the most recent batch of X-Men films, they take place in very distinct different time periods. Yeah. So First Class took place during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, Days of Future Past took place during the Paris Accords for the Vietnam War. Apocalypse took place, who cares when, but I think in the early 90s, right? Yeah. Are- I Yeah. And I think then, it's it's late '80s for sure because I think this this movie is like at least a five year time jump after that. Yeah, I believe they to say it takes place in 1992. Yeah, for, um, we're here in 1975. Jean Grey as a little girl is in the car with her parents. She uh, begins to manifest her powers, um, seemingly maybe for the first time. Yeah, she changes the radio and uh, it's very distracting. Her parents get freaked out. They don't know what's going on. They they kind of understand that she's the one doing it. Um, and Jean, to make it all stop, she covers her ears. She says, quiet. Um, yeah. And that kind of knocks her mother out, which causes her to veer into oncoming traffic. Horrible accidents. Um, and her mother is killed. Yep. So or we're we made cut- to believe that both her mom and her dad are killed. Correct. Um, we see her in the hospital alone. She's visited by our good friend, Charles Xavier, who has hair at this point. Um, yeah. He tells her that both of her parents are dead. Um, and essentially kidnaps her. Um, I'm sure he does mind tricks to let them take her and like probably he's just this dirty, dirty man who's just like abducting mutant children. This movie really goes into that he's a real dirty man who abducts children. Um, which <laughs> I think some of the best X-Men comics do that. Yeah, I think any, yeah. 
anytime Xavier, they kind of show like, wow, some of the things you do are kind of fucked up. Um, yeah, I think that makes for good stories. And I especially like that growing because because growing up, I feel like almost everything I watched or read with Xavier is like he's this like Christ figure, and he was like this do good do gooder that I I don't know I never never saw fault in him, and so I enjoyed seeing fault in him. Yes. Um, I, I find it funny like there's some very generic dialogue in the scene where she like is like looking at him like you're not like other doctors, and I'm like. We fucking get it. Like we're talking about mutants. Like I, this, these movies, these X Men movies are full of lines like this. This one is not. It's not just this movie's fault. Even First Class has shit like that. Like it kind of reminds me of in the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies, the cryptic things Aunt May would say, where you'd be like, "Do you oh, know yeah. Spider Man or not?" <laughs> because ultimately, you don't fucking know. You find out. So then, what's with this cryptic bullshit in Spider Man One and Two? I, I hate it. You're right. I hate that too. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> yeah. It makes it makes Spider-Man 2 so hard to watch. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a hero in all of us, wink. It's like <laughs> you don't know. We later find out that you don't know that he's Spider-Man. <laughs> so just can it, Ant-Man. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, that was a real Ant-Man uh, tangent. <laughs> I think we should have more of those. Yeah. In, every, in any like, episode. <laughs> speaking of massive cliches, yeah. Um, he tells her that. Gifts, her gifts aren't good or bad, right? Obviously, she thinks her gifts are bad. They seemingly killed her parents. But he tells her they're tools. And yeah. it's kind of up for her to decide what she does with them. Uh, do you think this idea may be explored further? <laughs> It'd be really a shame if it wasn't. It really would. Um, so then we kind, of, we kind of cut to 1992. Please, for the love of God, tell us about this sequence. <laughs> You love it. So the so the president calls the X-Men. This is with Mystique as the leader of the X-Men saying, you need to go to space and help some astronauts who are in trouble. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. What does he call them on? Oh, the X-Phone. Obviously. The X-Phone. Can you tell yeah. me a can you tell me about the X-Phone? Physically, what it looks like. Did you catch this? I don't think I caught it. Well, you have to tell me. Um, it's just a very generic office phone that's black with instead of any numbers or any buttons of any kind, just a giant X on it. <laughs> I don't know how I did it. I, I maybe I just did I didn't make anything of that. I don't know. I mean that's that's super cartoony. This movie is so very like 90s cartoon. This movie, like it's it's very silly. It tries to be serious, but then things like this happen, and it's very silly. And I don't There's think an... that works. That that tonal blend does not work for it. Not at all. Yeah. Um, so they need to go into space. Yeah. So so they gather together. Mystique gets the crew together. I think it's very funny that there are three of them. Excuse me. Who are blue? <laughs> like there's Beast, Nightcrawler, and Mystique, and they are the exact same shade of blue. Like it's not. They're not even um... trying. <laughs> And their costumes are basically entirely blue. Yeah. With the exception of a little yellow. Yeah. T- like, talk about them. Do you like those costumes? I, okay. So I'm of two minds about it because I do like how lazy and cartoony they are. Um, because they're essentially just like Under Armour zip up, uh, like, or pullovers. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see they're literally made out of Under Armour material. There's like, oh, really? no protection of them whatsoever. Uh, and I'm, I kind of like them because they look like action figures almost again, very nineties cartoon. What frustrates me is they did a sneak peek of all their new costumes at the end of apocalypse, which is one of the only times I was excited in that film. 
at the very end when Mystique is like, okay, you're all X-Men. And then there's that shot of them in silhouette of their new costumes. And then this movie, they get these, uh, which I believe is a big step down. Okay. Um, I would have I preferred individualized costumes, but you could still make them of a theme and, you know, of a piece. But yeah. I wish each X-Men got their own personal style. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you notice that when, even though, like, I think in the shot where they're all standing there together, like, outside of the X-Ship, of the X-Jet, um, I think they're gathered. They've got, like, Beast, Nightcrawler, Mystique, Cyclops, Gene, and Quicksilver. And then suddenly, on the ship, sitting with them is Storm. I'm almost positive Storm was not shown getting onto the ship at all. Or outside was, the ship. That was probably a reshoot. Do you think she lives on the ship? That would be great too. You know, honestly, it would be great for her because she could fly around like controlling the weather from a plane. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it literally is the closest she can get to her home element. Yeah. Um, so this plan, I, I don't think Mystique's very thrilled about this plan. Um, it, so apparently this like space shuttle, this American space shuttle has like, is like spinning around in space. It got hit by something, I guess. Uh, or maybe not. I don't know. Who cares? Uh, Who cares? But uh, like Mystique and I think at least Quicksilver think that this is a stupid plan. Um, in general, I think that there's there's a there's discontent in the idea of not that they're like being like elitist or like they're being they like hate like normal humans, humies, um, but they don't really seem to think it's a great idea for them to be risking their lives to save some American astronauts. And Charles is just like pish posh. Well, um, also, too, Beast mentions that the X-Jet may not even be space-worthy. Yeah, oh, right, yes. So, that, that, yeah, so cool. they, may, they may be going to die in a <laughs> ship that is not space-worthy for some astronauts. Also, this is seemingly the entirety of the X-Men. So they're really putting all their chips down um, yeah. on this mission. So that, to me, this kind of plays into uh, some criticisms of Charles Xavier. I think it's both back. him and the movie. Yeah, I, I, will, I mean, obviously, Charles Xavier is not like a true hero of this movie, but I think that this is less trying to contribute to that and more of just bad writing. It is bad writing. I mean, if if, if the X Jet isn't like space tested, maybe just don't mention that in the dialogue. I don't know, just me. But so they all fly out into space. Everything's going fine. Oh, and before they leave, Jean Grey and Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> Uh, Mystique get a nice tender moment one that they never had in Apocalypse and it kind of begs you to wonder is something going to happen uh, yeah, if you, and if you pretend those... like General Lawrence doesn't desperately want out of this franchise uh, you can tell mainly because she's either always completely covered up except for a face with very lazy blue makeup or she just straight up transforms into Jennifer Lawrence which undermines her whole thing of like, I'm going to be mutant and proud and be myself. Yeah. Except when she feels like being Jennifer Lawrence. Also, it yeah, it has huge like, well, I'm going to die soon vibes to this yeah. conversation. Spoiler alert. Um, so, yeah. So they, they end up like going through this whole like, you know, doing their mutant thing, which I actually think it makes a good use of Cyclops's, Nightcrawler's and Quicksilver's powers, especially the latter two. Storm, eh. There's no weather the in space, thing, Storm. There's no weather in space. Also, they only wear helmets. They don't wear space suits, which yeah. is very strange to me. Very odd. Again, goes to the cartoony vibe. Um, they, they just, there's no care in the world for this. Like, no one no one cares. 
No like, one cares. I think it is fun to see them kind of use their powers, especially in very tight spaces. I don't think that's anything we've really seen before. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting. But uh, there's a problem. There's a complication. Yeah. Saved everyone, but um, the captain is still on the ship. Yeah, and previously so, Gene was like Gene was literally trying to hold the ship together from exploding. Before then, she has to get transported onto the ship to 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 help save the captain, right? And this is the thing they have a they have a small conversation about this. Like, should we even be doing this, or should we go home? Yeah. And doesn't Charles say no? We have to save everyone. I yes, it's Charles. Yeah, he does. Um, which, like, buddy, you saved the majority of them. Also, captains go down with their ship, pal. Yeah. Um, Read a book. So, you know, did you ever see Master and Commander? Come on. Does he go down uh, he, with the ship? He I, wouldn't have because it didn't come out uh, in, until 2003. And, and this play takes place in 1992. That's a really good point. Or there's plenty um, of other movies where a captain goes down with a ship. So, anyway. so I don't even know if that happens in Master and Commander. I just know there's a ship. I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, so she decides to listen to Charles. She tries to hold the ship together. Um, they're able to save the captain. However, um, I didn't notice this the first time um, because the first time I saw this, I was frustrated because I was like, why can't Nightcrawler just pop in and pop her out? Mm-hmm. But what she does is she redirects the solar flare from hitting the X-Jet. That's a minor detail. I didn't notice that. Did you yeah, notice that? I, I did notice it, um, but it, it took me a second to kind of comprehend what I had just watched. Yeah, so she redirects it before it connects the X-Jet and instead it hits her um, but she sort of absorbs this solar flare into herself and she survives. Yeah. Um, they're able to get her back on the, the ship, but everyone is kind of freaked out. So let me ask you this now. I mean, so, well, I guess, you know, at, at Mystique and Charles Xavier talk about this right after about whether it's worth for the X, worth it for the X-Men to be risking their lives for humans or if Charles just is like stroking his ego. Do you generally agree with charles's point of view here i mean pretend the x-jet has been space tested let's forget about that part do you generally agree with with him being like we need to risk our lives for humans to try to get them to love us or accept i agree with his point and i feel like they leaned into his point a little harder uh than the counterpoint i wish we had seen maybe when mystique comes in to talk to him he's like not now i'm in i'm in an interview and like Time mm. Magazine is interviewing him for Man of the Year or something. Yeah. You know, something like that. Like one moment like that, I think would have tipped the scales a little bit more. We get him giving a speech with like the president and some important people, but it doesn't seem to me in that moment that he's like basking in glory. Yeah. What do you think? No, I, I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. Um, I, and I, I think that like, I, I do think that like generally I agree with his perspective, though I, someone points out my, like later Charles is not actually doing anything himself. I mean, he can't really go up there with them. Well, yes, he could. He can sit in a chair, but he did, he's not sent up there. And so he's not risking his life. He's sending his students to risk their lives. Um, counterpoint to Charles Xavier in the animated show, which in the theme song at the very end is leading the charge against Magneto and the evil means. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, um, it is. <clears throat> so the mission is a success, which is really good for the X-Men PR-wise, and that is important for later. There And it should be said that when they land the X-Jet, there's like a crowd of people to cheer them on. And like there's action figures of them. And this is definitely um, a time when mutants are valued and they're not feared. Um, yeah. Which, is, which will come back later in a clumsy way. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, but we get some real anime energy uh, oh my when gosh. we have when we have Beast scanning Jean Grey. Also, if I were any of the X Men, I would be immediately freaked out by Jean Grey and be. I would be like, "Can we get a Geiger counter on her? Yeah, is she going to give us all cancer? Like, yeah. what is radiating off of her? Yeah." Um, but Beast scans her and finds that she's healthy, except that, and this is a direct quote, her quote, power readings are, uh-huh. quote, <laughs> off the charts. Also, quote. another another quote, whatever happened up there made you stronger. Yep. Um, we don't Ugh. know what that means. It's a very lazy way of being like, Gene's different. Um, it's such cliche, like writing he may as well have he may as well have put his scouter on and like yeah seriously yeah Um, so gene gene keeps telling him and everyone else that she's fine um including our friend scott Um, who they have gene yeah i got some thoughts on no go ahead this act this i i I, what's his name ty sheridan or whatever something like that i think he's awful as as cyclops i i don't i don't think he's a bad actor like i think he's 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 fine at at least in ready player one i can try i'm uh, struggling to think what else he's on but um yeah i he's just got this kind of like dopey mouth open look for most of the movie, like when he smiles, I think he's got a good smile and that's good. But otherwise he's just his like resting face and his like dramatic face. I just can't stand looking at him. And I don't think he's a very good actor. And I don't think in this movie specifically. um, And I don't think that he has good chemistry at all with Sophie Turner. No, not at all. And I think part of it is he's playing Cyclops way too boyish, especially after Apocalypse, where he plays Cyclops as a teenager. I think this movie makes sense for him to play Cyclops as more of a leader. I would have appreciated him yes. and Mystique in kind of co-leader roles. I, I completely so, agree. Completely agree. I think part of the chemistry... But they haven't established mo- that, though, right? I'm sorry to interrupt you. No. They just haven't mm-hmm. established that because he showed up for the first time in the last movie and he's not even in it that much. Like no. And so why would, why would we, they're like, why would we care? We obviously have to make Mystique the leader because she's been around for four movies. True. Um, But I think part of the reason there's no chemistry here is I think Scott's playing his character very boyish and Jean's playing her character very like put together and kind of adultish. And it just, it does not work. Um, Like I don't believe them for one second as a couple. I believe there's something weird about Jean. Um, but I don't believe that they're a believable couple at all. It's one of those things where I feel like the writers are just like, well, if we keep having him act like he cares about Gene, people will believe it. And I just, that's not how chemistry works. That's not how not making you works. care about the relationship work. I'm going to go out and say right now that I think that James Martin and Famke Jansen had better chemistry. Oh, I agree. Okay. I agree. Good. For yeah. some reason, I thought maybe you might have some harsh James Martin takes. Um, my brother and I constantly play the game. Is James Marsden an A-list actor? Or you, not? Yeah, I think you even brought that up once on this show before, and definitely you and I have talked about this. And uh, I, I'm still uh, jury's are jury's out on that. I don't know. Jury's really out on him. He really he's is kind of all over the place. He almost has like a British actor mentality where he's like, "It's a job, I'll take it." Yeah, Sonic. I'm going to be the human character in Sonic the Hedgehog. Sure. Why not? Sure. I know. I like money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the aliens land, the Dabari. And very quickly, they take on the form of various humans, including this rich woman who's at a dinner party uh, played by Jessica Chastain. 
And what's confusing to me is, are they taking over their bodies? Are they duplicating them? I think it seems like duplicating. I think they killed them and then took their forms. Like they just like copied the way they look, you know? Um, Okay. Jessica Chastain's character's name is Fuck, who I do not think is named in the movie, in the dialogue or anything like that. But in the credits and, you know, IMDb and all that, her character's name is Fuck, who is a character who is one of the Dabari, I think, in the comics. I believe, yeah, I believe so. But I don't remember what she does, and I don't care. Um, so what's uh, what's happening back at uh, old um, oh. Pro- Professor Xavier's school for um, Gifted abused youngsters. children? Yeah, a lot of them are abused. Um, so they're having a party in the woods. Uh, Professor Xavier gave them the day off after this successful mission, Everyone's super thrilled that Jean's not dead. Um, so they're having kind of a kegger off in the woods. Yeah. I think this is kind of fun. Um, yeah, you got Dazzler first... in there. Yeah, we did get Dazzler in there. She's like a decade too late, but we get Dazzler. She's like yeah. the entertainment at the party. Um, and I think this is cool because we get the we get the impression that um, they're behaving like teens, right? It's a school. Teens blow off steam. Teens have parties. Um, but the only thing is, uh, aren't Storm, Jean, and Cyclops all teachers and adults? Yeah, it's very um, weird. It seems weird that they're parting with the kids. But we also get the impression that the upper people, Mystique and Beast and Charles, know that this stuff is happening, and they're just kind of letting it happen. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't quite think it's get that. Super weird. Yeah. So um, Mystique and Beast, it cuts to them. Um, and they're going to talk about leaving the mansion. Um, they both kind of are conflicted about what's going on with Charles. Um, Mystique has serious issues with Charles and she feels like she's ready to leave the X-Men. Yeah. Um, Beast is still on Charles. Quite literally side. leave the X-Men franchise. Leave the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jean gets drunk at the party. Um, and she, it, you know, I don't want to give this movie enough credit to say that it portrays PTSD in any any meaningful good way. Good, because um, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't, but it, she gets flashes of her encounter with the Phoenix Force, which it's the Phoenix Force, guys. The solar flare is the Phoenix Force. Yeah. Um, but then she also gets images of like a planet being destroyed, which yep. will come, come into play later. Yes. So she kind of wigs out, passes out, and um, Charles uses Cerebro to enter her mind. Yeah. Um, I believe um, Scott and Mystique are there with him or Beast and Mystique. I can't remember which one, but they can kind of see in her mind and they find out that he has erected walls in her mind to keep trauma out. Uh, and he kind of he kind of obliquely mentions here that he just sort of did it to to protect her kind of yeah. from something going on. And well, yeah, Charles is not a great guy, um, not on his side for that one. Um, despite no. what Gene's capable of. And no, you're not supposed to be on children, his side. Yeah, manipulating children and making them think that their parents are dead, not yeah. the greatest. I mean, so part of these like these visions that she has, she sees her dad, who she or like, I think or she and or she hears him calling to her or something like that. And either way, she said, like, I thought my dad was dead. And so she kind of pieces out and she knocks out Cyclops on the way. Like a real bitch. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was that was a non <laughs> thing to say. Like a like a real like a real looky loo. He just passes out. Yeah. Um, 
And then, so like, so she leaves and they're trying to find her. And I just found this line funny when Cyclops goes to Charles, he goes, Charles, you can track her with your mind. (laughs) You think that he wouldn't say the words with your mind. If I was the screenwriter, I would have said, first of all, I wouldn't have said this at all because no shit. No, Um, I would have said like, we need to find her. And it's implied that Charles can find her with her mind. Yeah. And you don't, and you're going to say, Charles, you can track her. You do not need to say with your mind. That is almost like for that is a line for the one percent of people who are seeing this movie who have never seen an X Men movie and don't know who Charles Xavier is. You, sh- a, you should very, not write movies for those people. It's also a very '90s cartoon thing. Again, like you might it is. Be, and this could be your first X Men episode. It's a very anime thing, explaining yeah. every little thing as if every episode of an anime is the first episode that someone's tuning into. They're like, we need all the flashbacks. We need everyone to explain who's what their powers are again. It's ugh, it's yeah. brutal. Yeah. Um, what's old Jesse up to? Old Jesse Chastain. Uh, Jesse Chastain. Jesse yeah. Chast. Uh, she meets with the other Dabari, uh, who have taken the form of various other randos. Um, they, so, you know, that one of them is, I believe, a real FBI FBI agent. I think we get so. the impression that they've infiltrated maybe some important positions but yeah it's very unclear or when they later pretend to be fbi the people monitoring that are just very bad at figuring out who's actually FBI. <laughs> they're just going around saying fbi they don't even have a badge they're just like fbi like, oh. <laughs> also, yeah, also. they look important they must be um yeah so they they monologue about how they want the phoenix force uh it's super expositiony um you know, when you have to cram a big story into one movie, and even if you had two movies, not I don't think two movies would have necessarily helped this because you still have the same cast and the same creators and the same uh, exhausted franchise. There's a multiverse version of this that is good. That is two movies. Nowhere is it close to this. Yeah. Yeah. So Gene ends up finding her dad uh, who is not happy to see her at all. No, uh, not, he's not hostile, but he's just kind of like, Oh shit. The day has he, finally come. Well, also you can see he clearly took the loss of his wife. Very, <clears throat> very hard. Very hard. Didn't clearly didn't remarry or anything. He seems like as distraught probably as the day that it happened. Yeah. Um, she's like, I thought you were dead. She kind of looks at pictures. She doesn't like really like see herself. She's like, why didn't you come look for me? You just well, abandoned me. It's not that she doesn't like looking at pictures of herself. It's that there are no pictures. No, of her. just, oh, sorry. I, that's what I meant to say. There aren't, yeah, yeah. there are no pictures of herself. Um, and her dad's kind of like, yeah, this, uh, guy came and it was like, I'll take her. And I was like, sure. You remind me of, uh, you murdered my my the love of my life, and so I hate you. Basically, is what he's trying to say. Yeah. Pretty sad. Um, I mean, she, in, in theory, not really in the moment. It's not, not, pretty, not, not very well acted film. scene. Yeah, not in the film. Um, she doesn't take it so well. No, she her doesn't. Powers, her powers are manifesting. She's phoenixing out. Um, we get the impression that the phoenix <laughs> force. Phoenixing. I really. You ever have a couple drinks and you just start phoenixing out? I really do. It also <laughs> happens when I die and I'm reborn, uh, which which happens more often than you think. I, I've wow. I'd love to hear more about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. So her powers manifest. Uh, her phoenix effects are like she gets red glowing eyes and like some red veins on her face. But we get the impression that it's like the her the phoenix force is influencing her. It's like the symbiote suit in Spider Man, and that probably if Jean were normal, she would not be acting this way. 
Um, but so I'd hope not. I would hope not, but she's lashing out. Yeah. So uh, the X-Men are sent uh, to bring her back home. That's what Charles tells them. Yeah. You have to convince her to come home. Okay. That's, mm-hmm. that's the mission. Is that the yep. mission as you understand it? That is the mission as I understand it myself. Okay. So then why are they wearing their costumes? Why don't they just show up as themselves and be like, Hey, we're your friends. Now we're wearing these costumes that we wear into mutant battle to like quote unquote convince you to come home and identify ourselves publicly. I mean, who knows? Maybe like they wouldn't have been so easily identified as X-Men when things go to shit. If they Just weren't land, wearing land their the, costumes, land the blackbird like at the local park. Do you have to land the blackbird outside your house? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a fan of that, but I or like I'm not a fan of they. They are all wearing their costumes, but I do like Charles Xavier showing up in his classic brown pants and black turtleneck. Oh, I love the black. I love that. Absolutely. Love it. They say don't wear black with brown, but you know he pulls it off. He does. Um, so they successfully convince her to come home. They extract the Phoenix force and the movie is over. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If only, um, this is the scene where they accomplish two very important goals. And by they, I mean the screenwriters and by goals, I mean, frustrating. Well, not really for one of them isn't frustrating. One of them is though. Uh, they, gets Quicksilver out of the movie. They make him a non-factor for the rest of the movie. I don't know whether they just didn't want Evan Peters. He didn't want to be in it, or they just thought it'd be a good idea to write him out, but maybe they didn't receive the feedback from days of future past, but I don't know all his sequences in that and are always cited as the best part of the movie. And his one sequence in apocalypse is the only sequence of that movie I think is good. So maybe you should not write Quicksilver kind of out of the movie. I think they had to because we've seen Quicksilver, Quicksilver do all these insane, amazing things. So on scenes like, say, the train, it's like, wouldn't, couldn't Quicksilver just throw them all off the train? I suppose so. I mean, that's a fair point. I guess I like when people come up with other creative ways to make, to kind of show that like people are matched against other people that you would think would have an easy advantage over them. Um, but anyway, there's a fight scene. Um, it's very short. Quicksilver is hurt pretty much immediately. Uh, and Jean accidentally kills Mystique. Kind of, you know, gives her, give her a, gives her a uh, good old impaling. You know, the impaling that well, she had coming. <laughs> because yeah, she wanted yeah. out of this franchise. The impaling Jennifer Lawrence could not wait to get to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. But her intention is not to kill Jennifer Lawrence. She like wakes out and kills her. A moment I love is uh, Beast runs to Jennifer Lawrence's side. Um, she's dying. He gets her last moments with her. She very audibly says, I love you as she's dying. And Beast goes, wait, what? And then <laughs> leans in. And then all she says is I and then dies. So presumably he didn't hear her last words that were I love you. What a shame. Can you what, imagine? Like, why would you put that in? He literally yeah. goes, wait, what? what? Beast. Like, that, that is not the send-off that relationship deserved. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine that happening. That would suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so we got um, Mystique's funeral. Um, you know, Scott's hopeful. He thinks there's, like, there's good in her. Or this was an accident. The rest of the X-Men... Gina including the students, not so sure that um, they're like, our teacher murdered Mystique. I, I don't, like, I'd, I'd be, I'd be mad too. I mean, it happened at our high school, but we got over it. 
<laughs> all too often. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and what in particular, Hank Beast blames Charles for her death, for Mystique's death, and thinks now that they all really, and especially the kids, the school need protecting from Charles Xavier. And there's like a, there's a decent scene where they're just where Hank is clearly just drinking. Um, and you know what's funny? Nicholas Holt is a good actor. No one, I don't think anyone in this movie seems to give a shit about what movie they're making, except, and God bless them, Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy. They are the only ones who actually seem to care, and even that they have a little bit less energy than they do in the last three. Would you Michael agree Fassbender, with that? Yeah, we'll talk about Michael Fassbender in a moment, but <clears throat> he, again, British actor, he'll take anything. He's like a Michael Caine. He'll take anything and he will give it his all. He is, he, we don't deserve him. These movies don't deserve him. Or what Not these movies became. Like he is, he is incredible. One, uh, one of my favorite actors. Um, anyway, so speaking of him, Gene flees to, I, I, I forgot what the name of the damn island is called in the comics. Genosha. Genosha. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I think they call it that in this too. Maybe they don't call it by name. But either way, thank you. Um, so she goes to Genosha to find Magneto. Basically, you're like, hey, I did a bad thing. You're a bad guy. Can you tell me how to stop doing the bad? Like, that's like the whole entire purpose <laughs> of her being there. <laughs> also, I murdered a former lover, um, but I'm not going to bring that up. Yeah, he keeps asking her whose blood is on her costume, and she just doesn't answer the question. He's not an idiot, that though. Will... I feel like he would have immediately known it was someone he cares about, and he would have pressed the issue. Also, we get a callback to this in the dumbest, clunkiest piece of dialogue. One of them in this film. When he when he realizes whose blood it is and he calls it I, out. I know, I know whose blood that was. Oh, it's bad. Like, oh, okay. It's really bad. Um, I, I should mention, I think Genosha takes a huge hit um, in this film from making it more grounded. I do feel like this is a grounded place where mutants might live, but in like a weird shanty town. But like, yeah. are you gods? So shouldn't you be able to build an amazing society? I, yeah. They don't have they don't have time for it in this film, and no. it, would, it would distract from it. But I always found the idea of Genosha very interesting plot-wise because it's a place where mutants can be free, mm. but free, quote unquote, under kind of the tyranny of Magneto. Yes, I think that's a really interesting idea. But this movie does nothing with it, and yeah. it's I a mean, shame. It looks really sh- like a shitty place for mutants to live. Um, yeah. So the military shows up and to looking for Gene, and Gene fights back. And one, the one, this is another one of the moments in the movie that I, I enjoyed. Very small moment within this scene is her and Magneto are both trying to control the helicopter at the same time. She's trying to like destroy it and like throw it away, and he's like fighting her on it and trying to like save these soldiers. And I, I love when you pit someone who's like, this is their, his thing. He can control metal. And you can, you basically a way of showing how powerful someone is by having them kind of match wits or powers with someone else at their own game. I like that kind of trick and especially in anime um, or, or just, I mean, in comics and comic books and, or, you know, cartoony type stuff. So he is stronger. He beats her here, but barely. Um, yeah. But overall, I, I, I... very bad plan for the military to come here. I just, I listen, give me a good beam struggle any day. I'll watch oh, a beam yeah. struggle all Please. goddamn day. Oh. <laughs> um, just, I, I can't handle telekinetic battles though. 
it gave me big um ray kylo ren energy from last uh or no mm-hmm. rise of skywalker fair <clears throat> that's what i was thinking of that's fair i mean I, I i liked it in any of its forms kind of like it didn't bother me here but i'm sure like if you just one, one way to get a good laugh is to imagine them shooting it like i think anyone anytime someone's shooting like telekinetic stuff it's hilarious it would just look like he's <laughs> shitting and moving his arms around <laughs> i mean that's acting yeah that's, the power <laughs> that's acting um so yeah what happens next uh so we get a cut to charles watching tv um and there's a news clip talking about opening mutant tournament camps again um, from zero to sixty by the government. Are you 60. kidding me? Whoa! I hated, um, I hated this so much. Them just and, immediately breaking ties with Charles and the X Men. I get what they were doing with the movie, but I hated this. Charles is like, let me get the president on the horn. Um, and the the X phone is no longer working. Also, too, I would be like a bit presumptuous that you just at any time of day or night feel like you can contact the president. He's pretty busy. Like, I think sometimes the president has to take like an hour before he can talk to you. Um, I would also say equally presumptuous is assuming that any mutant related thing that goes wrong is immediately Charles's fault. Yeah, good point. I get that she's from her from his school, but maybe not everyone knows that. I don't know. I mean, I guess there is video evidence of them at the scene where she first goes uh, evil Super Saiyan kind of or, you know, or she breaks bad first. So enough. In a kind of fun moment, um, like barely moment, um, we see barely an old fun. man barely fun. We see an old man <laughs> drinking at a bar, um, and we see Jessica Chastain sit down next to him. It turns out to be Jean. Um, she's using her powers of illusion to trick people. I just I like little things like that. I think that's fun. I like yeah. when people think they're fooling everyone, and there's that one person that can see through them. Yes, that's kind of my my trick that I like. You like doing um, that to people, like making people like make yourself look like an old man. I well, I did. I, listen, I love that. And then I'm actually a redheaded twenty-something woman. Um, it's a it's a real bait and switch. I, the real um, bait and switch is that I really thought we were getting a fun scene of an alien talking to an old man drinking at a bar that was completely disconnected from the rest of the movie, and they had to ruin it by making that old man Gene. Or you know what else would be a fun scene? Um, Jessica Chastain's character being convincing and good, which she isn't here. Oh yeah, great. Um, that's great. Great point. Yeah. So Jessica Chastain encourages Jean to embrace the Phoenix Force. So hashtag feminism. Okay, that's the thing too that really frustrates me because in the original Phoenix and Dark Phoenix saga, there is for like an eighties nineties comic, there is like an awful lot of feminist women's empowerment messaging going on in there. Yeah, and I think here it gets like it gets so short shrifted. It does not get the time that it deserves. I just wish they hadn't even mentioned anything. Well, we also um, skipped over the line from a lot earlier where Mystique says that they should change the name of the X-Men, X-Men to, X- to X-Women. Women. Yes. And again, this is not me being anti-feminist at all. It's it's me saying that that topic deserves more respect and attention than this movie gives it. So yes. she kind of says like, why are you letting these men like control your destiny, etc.?" I can help you control your powers. There is a there's a level of like fake feminism sort of, fake's not the right word. It's just like a it's like what like what certain like companies do during Pride Month where they pretend they care about Pride Month when they don't and they do so they do right. the bare minimum. Um it's kind of and, and, and to me it get, it gives echoes and people might have different thoughts about it but like the scene in Avengers Endgame where all the women 
get together and try to help like get the infinity gauntlet across the battlefield hated it it's that that's that's the kind of that's not the way to do it there are moments in like there are plenty of other moments in comic book movies like black panther comes to mind especially where they just nail it and this and avengers endgame that moment not nailing it no um so this also begins again the confusing Mm -hmm. jessica chastain motivation so Jessica Chastain wants to, as we said, gain the Phoenix Force for herself, I guess. Um, but she wants to cultivate it in Jean first or get Jean alone. But yeah. even when she gets Jean alone, she doesn't take it. The only thing I can assume is that Jean has to give up the Phoenix Force willingly. And that's being very yeah. generous and it's never mentioned. Well, I think the plan A, I'm, I'm, I was thinking was actually like keep the phoenix force in her and just corrupt her so she'll use it to help take over the the earth and basically help her hate humans and mutants more i guess but i I, I don't know either way it's not something that you're going to be able to do well in a movie that has about you know 30 minutes left or 40 minutes speaking of good character motivations we got a decent one next why why does magneto do what he wants to do uh well because hank and magneto both love mystique are you being sarcastic when you say good? I think, I mean, of all the character motivations, I get why Magneto is pissed. Well, I guess. I mean, because Magneto and anyone is the only believable like relationship of this whole movie or of, of this whole series. Yeah. So Hank goes to talk to Magneto and uh, Genosha, Genosha, whatever. Genosha. Geneva. Geneva. To ask for help looking for Gene and also telling him Mystique is dead. And Magneto does not take that very well because... Yeah, I don't like Beast being a bad guy here, quote unquote. Like, I, I just don't like it very much. I, I partly because I don't care about Beast and Mystique's relationship. I think Magneto and her, like, if there was anything left over of my like affection for First Class, a movie I do like, I think that Magneto and Mystique's relationship in that is very good. Agreed. And I think that it's good enough to deserve the moment it gets here where he is as upset as he is. I do not say the same for Hank, even though Hank is in it from the beginning also. I just don't think he and Jessica or uh, Jennifer Lawrence had that same kind of chemistry. This is the only explanation I can come up with. And again, this is entirely headcanon, so it's the movie's fault for not doing this. The only thing I can think is Hank rechecks her readings and it's like, she'll be unstoppable, her power levels. Um, I can see that being a reason like, well, yeah. she's unstoppable. She's evil. The only one that could take her down is Magneto. We got to do it. Yeah. Right. Um, so what happens next? So we get Jessica Chastain um, bringing Jean to this nice New York. The Phoenix Guild. Home. The Phoenix Guild, I guess, you know, of all the other Dabari. She kind of elaborates on what the Phoenix Force is. So I think you're right. I think at this point, she's trying to convince Jean to use the Phoenix Force for them. Yeah. So in a great line of dialogue that is a complete oxymoron that clearly no one noticed, Jessica Chastain says it's a spark of life that has also destroyed everything (laughs) it ever touched. How is that possible? Yeah. Um, I love that. But so uh, she, she says that if Jean is in control she can evolve into something greater and give life to new worlds. Mm -hmm. She mentioned in her very boring monologue about evolving and changing into something new. um, And that will come back later. Yeah. But um, what they want is not for Gene to do all this for the betterment of mankind or anyone else, but they want to take over the earth and to make it the Dabari world. And they want to control the Phoenix force themselves. 
I guess through Gene, I guess through Jessica Chastain. I don't even know. Um, but we, who cares? But we get Magneto in New York. I also appreciate that they go to New York um, because New York is a big Marvel Comics uh, place. Yeah. And they haven't been there in any of these movies. And the only, they, we only get a scene on like a one street that could have been I filmed literally it. anywhere. I hate it. I, why yeah. would you waste New York by showing one street? It's yeah. insane. This movie's expensive but, enough as it is. Where, where was this? like budget going you can't even like create a good new york set i don't know yeah like um, x-men brawl in new york has so much potential that is not delivered yeah and there are parts of the sequence that are neat i mean so really what it is is you know magneto and his crew and beast arrive to try to kill gene and at the same time charles and all of them show up and there is a great interaction between charles and magneto because uh magneto calls charles out on his annoying ass bullshit what does he say <laughs> He says, because Charles tells him I'm sorry um, for seemingly for Mystique's death. And Eric says, you're always sorry, Charles. And there's always a speech. Well, no one cares anymore. When the movie has to tell you exactly what you're thinking and feeling at that moment, there's a problem. That said, I I mean, that line of dialogue shouldn't exist because it shouldn't need to have been said. But... I love that it's said because it is true. And it it, it does point out, I mean, while I, I do credit James McAvoy, because I do think he gives a lot to this role. I think that, and maybe this is the writer's fault really, and not his, I think they kind of turned him into just like, he, he does something, he's a little headstrong. And, and then he like apologizes for it to everybody. And it, it's kind of just repeats that over and over and over again. And I, and he tells people they're gifted and then he apologizes because he, fucking misleads them somewhere you know it's it's a little repetitive but i don't know what what do you think about it i appreciate that it's called out um it seems odd to me if they didn't know this was going to be the last movie because if there was another movie after this presumably charles would probably do the same thing again yeah right um but i appreciate that this is the last film because finally it's like cut this bullshit we're done yeah exactly um and the whole time you just like tell like this is the end they're done. We're, we're never yeah, going to see these, yeah. these same characters again. Um, so there's a, there's a big brawl on the street. Um, it's, a, it's a neat sequence for what it is. Um, Magneto pulls up an entire subway train with people in it um, from the ground, which is neat. And he goes in to try to kill Gene. He fails. And this is kind of where Gene's like, I'm, now I'm like more powerful than you. Which is good. I, I mean, I like power level stuff in X-Men. It's one of the things that I, I like the most about because I used to, you know, when, when I would watch Dragon Ball Z as a kid, like I enjoyed seeing like comparisons of power levels. And I love the idea, the concept of like Omega Mutants, which is not touched on explicitly in this movie. But I believe both both her and Magneto are, Mag- are Omega level mutants. They are. And I love that she rips his helmet apart. That's very cool. Well- and that's an X-Men thing that I've never understood. Why, like, I get that they can't read his mind, but can they just crush his skull with telekinesis? <laughs> well, I thought that's what she was doing at first. And I was like, wait, are they, they going to kill Magneto? No, they were. They were. I just find it baffling that, they, like, in barely any X-Men media do they do that. It's like, oh. you can keep on my thoughts. I could just crush your head. Yeah, true. True. Um, so, yeah. So then Charles goes in. Yeah. And she, like really fucks with him and his yeah what did you tell us what happens what did you think about this i kind of liked it i mean again the world it's in this movie i don't like i don't like uh, i'm kind of sick of charles at this point i'm definitely already sick of sophie turner but 
I like the idea of her, of this being like a way to show, oh, she's bad now. She crushes his wheelchair, throws him out of it, crushes her wheelchair, and makes him walk up the stairs using her mind. Yeah. That's pretty fucked. It is pretty fucked. And you can see he's like twitching and it's almost puppet-like. It's He's not the one in control. Yeah. Um, so she forces him to walk to her. Um, and then she searches his mind and presumably to destroy him. But what she finds is that he truly did want the best for her. He did what he did because he was trying to protect her. And he has no malicious intent behind him. Yeah. So she's conflicted, but Jessica Chastain kind of tells her, that's your past, but I can give you a future. And Jean kind of rejects the Phoenix Force, rejects this idea. And there's this line that I actually think is pretty good. Jessica Chastain, she says, I don't want this. You know, like, I don't want this gift. And Jessica Chastain says, I traveled the stars for a gift you don't want. I did like that line too. But what what I really hated is what happens next. And yeah, so this is very comic booky. Well, it's ridiculous in a way, and maybe you feel the same way about it. Um, so basically, Gene's like, I'll give you the, the Phoenix Force, and this thus starts this like, well, I don't know, 45 second sequence. It's it's long, it's 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 long, and the, why the fact that it's long is relevant because. So, so Jessica Chastain's character tries to absorb the Phoenix Force but isn't able to finish. and while the process is starting, Charles is just sitting there watching it happen. And like, like Jessica Chastain's character, like gives him a look or even like says out loud that like, yeah, I can't wait to like destroy the earth with this new power. I'm haven't even finished getting yet. And Charles is just sitting there staring. And he's like, wait a second, wait a second. What you want to kill us all with this? No. And and then, then he act or then like, it, it's like, he's just watching this happen. The fact that he even had to wait, like I get that he cares about Gene. He wants that power out of her, but are you kidding me right now? You're just, you're just going to ignore the fact that this mysterious, clearly evil person is taking this incredible power right now. You're not going to try to stop it. He's just watching. He's just sitting down watching it. I think maybe he realizes how powerless he is against the Phoenix force I don't know. Again, this is a uh, lot of maybe. me. A lot of things in this movie are me kind of head cannoning stuff. But in my mind, like at this point, he knows if he jumps in, the Phoenix Force will like eat his mind. Hmm. Yeah, maybe you might be right. I still, I still don't like it. Just the way the appearance of it, I just wasn't a fan. Yeah, but, but it, it wouldn't be an excellent movie unless the government captured the mutants. Oh, yeah. He just couldn't, couldn't keep the government away. They love capturing mutants. They love like their little like. Collars. you know collars and gas and and shocks collars and whatever they have that they use yeah so um, uh yeah tell us about the train what happens first okay so this is probably the the best sequence of the movie yeah. the best like really it, the movie doesn't go very long in a like continuously of like being good quality i would say this is the longest it goes of good quality shit happening um the mutants are being transported on a train by the government to prison. I don't even Some know where, ca- they say yeah. where they're going. Well, they mentioned that it's to like lock Gina because she's too powerful. <clears throat> right. Yeah. And, you know, during this, Charles kind of accepts responsibility for what happens. He apologizes to Hank. He kind of admits to everybody he's wrong. And Jessica Chastain's the Dabari attack the train. 
which like great. I, so I I call this I love scene train I, shit. Yeah, I love Sign train me shit. Up. I call this scene excellent. Excellent in regards to this movie, not excellent in regards to all movies. Yeah. Um, but we get a, like a really cool, creepy shot of the train going by. Uh, or starting to go through a tunnel and the Dabari just kind of like, like coming down from the top of the tunnel. Yeah. And then we get excellent shots of them kind of crawling on the train, like yes. bugs. Um, it's great. It's very creepy. Um, I think in terms of having them be like creepy aliens, this sequence nails it. And yeah. I also wonder how much of this sequence was a part of the film and how much was reshoots. Because yeah. I can imagine the film being very limp at this point because, because it is. Yeah. And then being like, we got to really pep up this climax. Yeah, it's interesting. And 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 most characters kind of get their own moment. I would say Magneto and Nightcrawler get the best moments. Nightcrawler is cool, but it comes very out of no, nowhere. It's really weird. He like fails to save a soldier that you was just before he was like, we used to like you guys or something like that. No, he said specifically, my son was a big fan of you. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. And then Kurt tries to save him. He fails. And then he gets super angry and just goes on this insane Dabari killing spree. I think it's supposed to call back to X-Men 2, but the Nightcrawler we know in this version, like uh, it's seemingly not ice, like five dudes in brutal fashion. It feels it's it's neat what he does, but it feels very out of place. It felt like it that was added, honestly. Uh like it probably post. was. Yeah. Um Magneto gets to face off with uh Jessica Chastain. He kind of like had controls every single gun to like in the entire room to like point at her, which is pretty cool. Yeah, everyone gets a cool sequence. Storm gets to blow a bunch of the aliens off with um, electricity powers and like ice powers. Nightcrawler gets that sequence. Um, who am I missing? Oh, Beast gets. You're not really miss. I mean, frankly, I don't think you're really missing anyone because I don't think that Beast and Storm are very cool in these movies. Yeah, I think Personally. Storm's moment is fun. I think I think this is a reshoot because I think one of their things was also like give each one of them something cool to do, which they mm-hmm. kind of do. Yeah. Um, so kind of while this is happening, so this, they're kind of trying to like, in the meantime, they're trying to hold off Jessica Chastain and the Dabari as they're trying to make their way to Jean to get the, the Phoenix Force entirely out of her. And she kind of kicks Magneto and Cyclops' ass because she seems to have absorbed enough of Jean's power, I guess. Um, she seems pretty powerful in this moment. And, and at the same time, Charles is trying to connect with Jean's mind. And he does that and he apologizes to her and she decides that she's going to use her power. Remember her gift that they mentioned earlier in the flashback. It's like like a tool. It's like a tool. She's like, I'm going to decide to protect my friends. (sighs) Oh, there's another line. There's, Hey, there's another line later. That's even worse. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's bad. Well, well, let's get there. Take us there. So yeah, so Jean goes Super Saiyan, um, essentially. Yeah. She harnesses the Phoenix Force for herself um, and not for evil, seemingly. She crashes the remains of the train. It's kind of cool. She picks the entire train up and the train is kind of spinning and you know, shit's flying around inside. You can see Jean is protecting the X-Men and their allies and kind of these bubbles, um, which I think is cool because that's like a Jean Grey thing, you know, protective bubbles. Yeah. We haven't really seen her do that. Um, she crashes the remains of the train. Um, it creates this kind of like flaming hellscape. She dispatches the rest of the aliens by like atomizing them. Um, I thought this was very lame. <coughs> yeah. 
I thought this was lame. I wish you would have like wigged out and done more Phoenixy things. Yes. Um, they they could have, they had a whole, like they have the Phoenix power. They could have used, they could have done so much cooler shit with this. Like, yeah. Why? So I've seen a lot of people get disintegrated in comic book movies. I'm sick of it. Exactly. And they could have had a really big conflict with Jessica Chastain, who, as you mentioned, has a portion of the Phoenix force. They don't do that. Um, what happens is that Jessica Chastain shows up. Um, she, um, Jean Grey tells her, okay, you want the Phoenix Forest, have it. Um, <laughs> we get this amazing sequence um, where Jessica Chastain tells Jean Grey, your feelings make you weak. Um, and then Jean Grey flies into space um, and is like, yeah, here, take the Phoenix Force, have it all you want. <laughs> um, and then tells her, this is a direct quote. My <sighs> feelings make me strong. Um, and then explodes. I think, I think, is it a direct, I, is, I thought it was like, your emotions make you weak. Yeah, and she's like, no, they no. make me strong. <laughs> yes, that's it. And then she explodes. Um, and that's, that's it for Jean. Two awful um, X-Men movie send-offs to Jean Grey as Phoenix. I will say, I think Wolverine killing her has more emotional weight. Oh, absolutely. But it's, it's still, there's still like the lead up to it isn't like ideal. Plus you got, yeah. you know, the juggernaut involved. Oh, God. <laughs> Who could forget? Okay, so we get the Phoenix Force kind of flying away. Um, and Jean is seemingly dead. Yeah. Yeah. But so we, we go to our wrap-up. What's the wrap-up? So Charles retires, leaves the school to Beast, to Hank. And <laughs> which, I mean, which yeah. to be fair, plays into the idea of, you know, these kids need protection <laughs> from you, Charles, which I don't think it's Beast protecting them, but it makes sense that Beast would kind of take up the mantle of protecting the students. What do you think? Yeah, I'm laughing at, I, I was just, when I was reading through uh, the notes that you had added to our outline, I, I laughed very hard at your, your bullet point that I'm just going to read uh, in entirety. Klops. <laughs> Klops puts the new sign on the school, quote, Jean Grey Institute for Freaks. Um, I love referring to Cyclops as Klops. I, uh, I love during, it. During this outline, I used a lot of name abbreviation, but I'm glad you kept up. I, I just, I, uh, I, I, I don't know what I thought was funnier, Klops or Institute for Freaks. <laughs> but yeah, so like in many X-Men media, the school gets renamed for her. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so then we see, you know, what's funny is when people kind of like retire for from a life, they always go to Europe and oftentimes they yeah. go to Paris or France or something. Why? I don't know. Europe's really expensive. It makes sense for Bruce Wayne and I yeah. guess for Charles, because I guess he's independently wealthy. But that's that's true. So yeah. the, the X-Men go back to their normal lives. Um, and in Paris, Magneto finds Charles um, sitting alone and asks him if he can play, if, you know, challenges him to a game of chess for old time's sake. And then we briefly see in the distance as before, before the credits of Phoenix um, in the sky. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I think the idea is it ties back into the idea of evolution, that Gene will be able to give life to worlds. And I think... The implication is like that has happened. She has evolved. She is not gone. She is this new thing. Yeah. Um, which technically, I suppose, could set up a sequel, but no, this is the limp to the finish line end of this version of the X Men franchise. Yeah. 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 So, what, what works, works in the movie? What works about this movie in your uh, eyes? 
we kind of said it, the train sequence works. <clears throat> I think it picks up the intensity. I think it, as you mentioned, is the single most sustained piece of quality in the film, mm-hmm. even though it's kind of just action. Um, I like James McAvoy. Um, I like Magneto, Michael Fassbender. I think yeah. they're giving their all. I actually think Nicholas Holt is doing a decent job. Um, he's been better in other things, and he's been better in other X-Men he's, movies. Yeah, he certainly has been better in other X-Men but movies. But I, I think he's okay. I think also the kind of goofy 90s <clears throat> cartoon vibe, at the very beginning at least, kind of worked for me. Um, but once we get to Jean at her dad's house, it all spirals into this very self-serious yeah. stuff that doesn't work if they were going to commit to like a 90s cartoon vibe it would have liked that it would have been really out of place considering the other films before it yeah but i could have at least embraced it if they embraced it Mm -hmm. yeah um so what works for you not a whole lot um i I know like i i mean i personally think if you are going to do the dark phoenix saga i mean i agree with 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 i'm sure what you think too and what chris claremont said that you got to do it for a, a over a course, course of multiple movies or at least a longer movie that said given the quality of this movie i'm glad it's only two hours i think the score is very good um or very good for an x-men movie for a superhero movie frankly um i was very... i was not surprised or, or i'm sorry I, w- I was very surprised to have we really even notice the score like i find that i don't notice the music in movies that i hate <laughs> Yeah. Or to, or just like a lot, like apocalypse. I, I will say there is a driving intensity of the music, which is kind of Hans Zimmer, you know, his thing. <clears throat> he kind um, of stands but, out from his other stuff. Like I wouldn't have pegged this immediately as Hans Zimmer. I didn't know it was Hans Zimmer until after the movie was over. I mean, it's no Dune. Oh, that's I mean, duh. <laughs> um, I what I doesn't like, work? Oh, well, oh no, no, I, no, go on, go on. I have a couple of. I mean, I, I agree with the the old cast, like uh, Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy are basically the only actors that I really like in this movie. Um, I think some of the visual effects are interesting, like the way that they represent the solar flare and the Phoenix power at times are nice. I got a little sick of kind of like the glowing orange veins on Jean's face. I wish they would have done more with the Phoenix power. They did not do enough, Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't help that the movie's only two hours long in that way. Um, I saw another superhero movie recently that I actually wished was longer, um, even though it was only two hours. I'll mention that in a, in a, in a bit. Um, what doesn't work, basically uh, all the other actors, all of them. Yeah, um, I'm going to say Sophie Turner specifically. <clears throat> her, Ty Sheridan, I even think Cody Smith V doesn't, I don't like him as uh, Nightcrawler. I think he's dopey. Um, or like he's too silly. I like Nightcrawler a little. I mean, I think Alan Cumming brought this like a good like vulnerability to Nightcrawler. Um he kind of was like a, a sweet guy who was capable of doing like very awful things. And I just don't, I don't get that same feeling or at least I don't like the way that um, what's his face is doing it. Um, I remember reading about apocalypse. They specifically said they wanted Nightcrawler's character to almost be an anime character, hmm. which seems baffling to me because he gets basically no screen time or dialogue in apocalypse that we would even know that. Yeah. And then here, if that's what they're going for, you're right. It just comes off as dopey and weird. Except yeah. when he just straight up ices fools at the end. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't think the writing is very good at all. Uh, I don't like the silent Quicksilver, even though I think you make good points about why they had to do it. I also, and, and this is another thing where they felt like they probably had to do this, I just don't like it, is the mystique idolization. I do not like it. 
I don't, I'm, I was sick of Mystique after Days of Future Past. She got her moment where she kind of talked Char- uh, Magneto down. She had a face-to-face moment where she was like going against Magneto. Days of Future Past, it was very nice. And it was a good contrast to like the kind of shit they had gone through in uh, first class. But after that, there is this like, we have Jessica Chastain. We need to put her in this movie. We need to give her things to do. We need to make characters idolize her. She is part of this. We can't just write her out. I get that. But I just, the mystique just doesn't work in this movie. I think like they, you, think- she's, she's, she's taken out. They're like, this is convenient. We can write her out of the franchise and we can conveniently use her death as a way to motivate characters to take actions. I agree. It was lazy. Also, I think you meant Jennifer Lawrence because you said Jessica Chastain. Oh, I, my bad. Which I, I almost, I, I almost she, made that same mistake earlier too. Jessica Chastain does die in this movie, and there are Dabari who mm-hmm. were idolize her. So you're not wrong. Well, I'm not wrong about that, I guess. And also, she doesn't work in this movie either, and she's also a good actress. So it's just a shame. A lot of, lot of uh, good actors wasted. A lot of bad actors wasted. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree with all those. Basically, everything else doesn't work. Um, I think we're in agreement on that. Yeah. Would you want to live in this world, specifically the X-Men movie world? Yes. I haven't said yes in a long time. It'd be really funny if you say no. <sighs> I'm going to say no. <laughs> okay. Because if you're not a mutant, and odds are you're not, like statistically, you wouldn't be a mutant. This would be a really bad world to live in. Though, you know... I am gonna. I'm gonna change my mind. I think I don't know. I don't think I don't think I want to live in a world of any superheroes anymore. Ever. I've I've watched. Uh, do you watch The Boys? I do not. I, I so I basically like binged the show in the last month, and I mean the like one of the whole things about that show, other than being a very um, a better than it gets credit for um, post or just Trump era um, and post Trump era satire of America. Um, it does a great job talk, showing what how bad it would be if superheroes were either dicks or unconcerned or unable to control collateral damage. And it's really got me down on superheroes. I don't I hope they never exist. I don't want people to be superheroes like that. No, because they could just they could be dicks. What do you do then? Yeah, exactly. Or even if they're not dicks, they might, you know, be f- stupid. <laughs> you know, uh, so I, yeah, I, I, you're, I, I flip flop. I don't want to be uh, the street continues. I don't want to live in this world. I will we'll find a world I want to live in. Um, one of these days, I actually know a world I want to live in. We're going to be doing it uh, in a couple weeks, I think. If, if, okay. if we're yeah, still yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if we're still planning on doing that particular yeah, movie. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what what about you? Oh, sorry, you say no, but to explain no. why. No, because again, it's the collateral damage thing. If yeah. you're, it's the same as why I would never want to live in Star Wars, because basically every planet in Star Wars is a shithole, and there's only like ten thousand Jedi at their height or whatever. Yeah, which statistically, your odds of even encountering a Jedi are like point zero 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 one. That's let true. alone let alone being one. So if you're just pulling the pulling the roulette, you know, slot machine. Thing. I really mix my metaphors there. Pull the roulette wheel. Yeah, it's fine. Um, if you if you pull the old roulette wheel, the odds of you being a mutant in this world are terrible. Also, the odds of your power being useful are terrible. Because remember that kid in one of the X Men movies? I believe it's X Two who can just change the TV channel by blinking his eyes. Yeah. What the fuck is he? Who, gonna who do? could who could forget uh, Spike had 
Or Por- Spike Head. Porcupine guy who porcupine just has face. spikes come out of his face. So I don't yeah. know what he does. He just hits people with his head. He headbutts people. Also in the comics, there's an X-Man who's just a freakish bird man who can't really do anything <laughs> because his bones shatter like glass like a bird's <laughs> That's real. That's a real X-Men. They did a movie about those. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to do this as a video game, what would that look like? So I can't, I can't like disconnect X-Men and the 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 beat-em-up side scroller, but I'm not gonna call this a beat-em-up. I'm I'm saying this is like an SNES, like Genesis era, like side scroller, maybe platformer in a way, kind of like a beat-em-up, but not exactly like an arcade beat-em-up, like the, okay. like the X-Men arcade game. Um, I, I like that. I mean, I, I don't know. I pictured this as like an N64 game and I didn't like that. And I actually was, I've, I'm very sour on N64 lately. Like when, you know, when they, like, they're doing like D makes and stuff, like I think Bloodborne works very, very you, what you've been very sour this episode. You, you've just been, uh, what are you? A sour bus? No. What are you just like a sour patch kids? You're going to get sweet on us at the end. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because I've been watching a lot of great stuff and reading, I, or, or and um, you know, and I'm not gonna get sweet about this movie. All right, well, tell um, us why you think the N64 is the worst system. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say, I, mean, I like I like the the Bloodborne remake, like in the PS PS1 graphics, but I think that certain games, I think, would be like I when you when you picture like, oh, wouldn't it be really cool if this was demade to an N64 era game? I'm like, no, go like a whole another generation further back. I yeah. don't need that. I think um, every remake I've seen that is in 2D, that is for the SNES, looks phenomenal. Yes, um, totally agree. Um, the others are all a roll of the dice. Yeah. Uh, what about you, video game? So um, the idea, and I've thought this for a long time. Okay. The idea of a um, tactics game in the vein of Final Fantasy Tactics Ooh, or Fire Emblem. That would be great. With the X-Men, with their powers, would be dope it would be so good every character would be their own class would have their own abilities they did i mean they did action rpgs um like they did x-men i forget what they're called but they they, it was for ps2 and gamecube do you remember those yeah yeah x-men whatever um a lot no x-men we made a marvel ultimate alliance it's it's fun it those, those games are really good those are good but i would rather have like a full tactical rpg i think would be great sure yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to take right. that away from you. Well, I would hope that you wouldn't. <laughs> uh, all right. I found um, a couple little bits of fan fiction. Did you? I, it was hard finding something for the movie, and I think I did, but I'm not. I'm also not quite sure. Yeah, I found specific to the film uh, fan fiction. Uh, it's terrible. It's not good. Yeah, it's not even like so bad. It's good, mm-hmm. but I did find. I mean, X-Men fan fiction, Dark Phoenix fan fiction, tons of it. Plentiful. Um, plentiful. But specific to this film, no. Yeah. Um, I did find one, and it's, like, weird, but not great. Go uh, Tell me. Well, I mean, tell me about it. My, mine aren't that great. I usually don't like to lead with mine when I don't they're that great. But it sounds like maybe um, we, we might not have any uh, slam dunks here. No. So the one thing in fan fiction, so there, you know, we talk about oftentimes the subgenres in fan fiction. There's like slash fiction, there's characters boning each other left, right, and center. You got Sonic crossovers, et cetera, et cetera. There's also a kind of fan fiction that I haven't picked really, and I don't think you have either. That's just like about the emotional inner lives of the characters. Yeah. 
Um, and I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, so this one is called Grieve for Those You Lost. Um, okay. And this is just after the movie with Eric and Charles grieving. So here are some, some select bits. Gently, Eric held his friend up, both physically and emotionally, to keep Charles from falling into the abyss that was his own guilt and pain. As he embraced his friend as best he could, together they grieved, together they mourned for the woman that impacted both their lives so immensely. Two things. One, I don't really think Jean Grey impacted Magneto really at all. Um, yeah. But two, that, and it just goes on. No matter what, no matter the mistakes, no matter the hardship through the years, everyone deserves a place to call home. No one deserves to feel alone. For Charles had done that for Eric. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't understand why you feel the need to write this as fan fiction. Yeah. Because movies end when the most important parts are over. Movies don't keep going to talk about how the characters grieve because yes. no one cares. In that same vein, there is a very short fan fiction story I found called The Paris Proposal, where Eric shows up in Paris to find Charles and bring him back to like being a leader in the mutant world. Basically, like, Charles, it's okay. Let's be co-leaders of Kenosha. And then they go, and that's it. It's just, it's like, why did you take the time to write that? I I don't get it. I mean, I I would agree that this film warrants fan fiction. I think I've been writing fan fiction for it throughout the outline as I've been trying to patch plot holes. (laughs) Um, I think, here's what I, you know what? I never say this, but you know what? I'm going to say it. I think this movie deserves an entire fan fiction that it's just the straight up plot, but told in a narrative form filling in a lot of the gaps see i'm fine with that but i i would say this movie does not deserve fan fiction because i just want this x-men franchise to be dead and buried this particular one this set of films just it keep lives it, on it yeah. lives on in fan fiction it, well, it lives on in the two uh magneto and xavier erotica fan fictions i found oh for the love of god tell me. <laughs> um and then there were more there were more than this. Uh, they're sure. mostly inter- not uninteresting. I mean, obviously the tags are some of the some of the fa- some of the best. Sometimes they're very blunt. Um, they're not necessarily funny. They're just like, or they're funny because they're so matter of fact. One so of them is clarify, these are just generalized Xavier Magneto slash Vic. This is not specific to the film. Uh, th- there is a tag uh, post X Men Dark Phoenix 2019. Oh, okay. So I, I thought on. it was worth talking about. Um, so here's some additional tags. I mean, this, this is called Let Me Drive You Crazy. Summary, waking up intertwined body and mind with his husband. It's one of Charles's favorite activities. Well, yeah. he really moved on, didn't he? He yeah. got over Gene's death. Here are the notes. I simply had to write more post-Dark Phoenix stuff. It's my Achilles heel. And there isn't much. <laughs> <laughs> what a bizarre one. What a yeah. bizarre Achilles. Everyone has one, one Achilles heel and that's it. Imagine if this was Achilles' Achilles heel. Writing, writing fan fiction. He would be undefeated. Um, it's my Achilles heel, and there isn't enough smut set in Kenosha. So, yeah, that's it. That's the fic. Enjoy. Um, and he also says, you can listen to this while reading to set up the mood. Why not? I have not clicked on this link. I'm going to do so now and see what this person recommends listening to to get in the mood. Please. Um, YouTube, okay. Have you ever been exhausted? This is an ad. <laughs> Oh, it's 30 minutes rain sounds oh. <laughs> for light sleeping. Okay. This is really setting a mood. Okay. was really so, hoping yeah. it was going to be something ridiculous. Anyway, um, 
Here are some tags. Uh, Post X-Men Dark Phoenix 2019. Um, shoot. It just went away. Okay. Mutant Husbands. Morning Sex. Nipple Play. Fluff and Smut. Cuddling and Smuggling. Genosha. Classic. Canon Disabled Character. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really, it's really so short and sweet. Uh, they, they sleep in late um, on, a, on a day and they just kind of like lay in bed, you know, fooling around um and things are a little romantic and then um eric starts to (laughs) starts to get a little um a little friendly like really friendly um and then charles says if you (laughs) if you let me go now i'll let you fuck my thighs okay that's i believe that's called intercurl sex and then it and then it happens oh i'm like i I completely forgot that that's one of the tags (laughs) sorry about that (laughs) uh yeah um so yeah there's that i I also appreciate that there was canon disabled characters yeah because i like the idea of head canon or non-canon disabled characters (laughs) yeah yeah like what would monkey d luffy what would monkey d luffy be like if he had dyslexia Mm, I think that would be arguably he does have it. Um, maybe, maybe we don't know. The other what one is monkey. What would monkey D. Luffy be like if he had mild Tourette's? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and the other one wasn't that as interesting, but it was another another one of like, an even shorter story um, about them hooking up. And I just like one. This last tag is Eric Lencher's not so secret tel- telepathy kink. Okay, can we also park on the idea that having sex with a telepath 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 would be mind-blowing and amazing. Oh my gosh, yes. Right? Maybe we should want to live in this world just for that. Just to find them and be like, all right, let's do this. Yeah, but again, your odds would be so low. True, true. Um, yeah. I, I, well, so you, you have your, your fan fiction. I think I don't think it warrants fan fiction, but I guess if I had to come up with some sort of fan fiction... Not to steal from yours, I mean, I do think fixing plot holes would be good, but I guess my fan fiction would be add, you know, fill in the fill in the gaps with like 30 minute sequences, like turn this into like a novelization of the story with a a retelling of the Dark Phoenix saga in a way that makes it feel more like a movie and less like a property of like Marvel comics that's intertwined with so many other Marvel properties. Yes. Also, I just had a thought, and I can't believe we didn't bring it up. Let's bring it up here at the end. Where was Moira, Moira McTaggart? Was she even in Apocalypse? I can't even remember. She was. She's the one who unleashes Apocalypse. Oh my gosh, you're right. Wow. I really Where was hate, Moira I, McTaggart? I really hated that movie. Um, we didn't. We don't get her and Xavier being a couple in this. She's just prob- out of the movie. She's maybe, been in the first three, and maybe she's she was, out of this one. She was so sick of him stroking his ego all the time, sending children to their death. I guess. I don't I, know. I like, they probably I just like couldn't her get her back. I liked her actress. When I did, when I researched this, I didn't see any mention of her whatsoever uh, in like consideration for reprising the role or anything like that. Um, I should mention, based on the new run of X-Men, Moira McTaggart, one of my favorite X-Men characters now. Oh. In that franchise. Interesting. You really need to read the new run. It's incredible. <sighs> I have to be honest with you. I probably won't. I don't want to promise you that. I would love to. I'd love to give you everything that you want, Aaron. I want to make. You, I want. I want you to. To. I want you to like me more than you currently do. I, I'm almost <laughs> done with the entire run of One Piece, and you're I know. slacking. So, I, well, I, 
listen, I've got a lot that I do. (laughs) I do a lot of things. Um, All right. right. Let's talk about those things. Yeah. Here's what what I've been doing. (laughs) Please tell us. You're a busy boy. I'm a busy boy. Are you going to get sweet now or are you going to stay sour? I mean, I'm sweet on a lot of the things I've been watching and and reading. I keep saying reading. I'm like, I'm reading like movie reviews. I'm not like reading books. Um, I, as I watch a lot of movies, um, since we last talked, okay, I'm going to try to find, I'll name some, some movies, but I'll, 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 you can either ask me about one of them, or there's like two that I'd like to specifically talk about. Um, like father, like son, it's a Japanese movie that I thought was quite good about, um, two Japanese couples that, um, find out when their kids are like five years old, that they were switched at birth and they have to decide whether or not they want to keep their kid or exchange them. It is very interesting. Um, is Thief, which I watched because I'd never seen it before. And it's some people say it's James Conn's best performance and he is dead now. So that's why I watched that. I thought it was good and not great, wow. but good. Way to soften that James Conn bomb. Yeah. Well, would you I'm say it was to... a real, would you say it was a real James Conn bomb? Yeah, I would, but I was trying to be sweet. I didn't want to like, you know, be a, uh, you know, aggressive about like James Conn's dead now. Well, now you just were. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Santa Sangre, which um, I had never seen an Alejandro Jodorowsky movie before. I don't know if I even said that right. He uh, he was actually going to direct Dune. He was. There's a whole documentary uh, had, about it. Yeah, he had some real real wild ideas. I hope that I like his other movies because I did not like that movie. Um, I like was reading like Roger Ebert's review of it. He like absolutely loved it. I just I can't get behind that. Um, Thor: Love and Thunder. I watched that. Um, I thought some things about it worked really well and I liked it quite a bit. I actually wish it was longer. Initially I was like, I'm glad this is only two hours long, but then it's trying to do a lot and I don't think it quite succeeds at everything. Um, yeah, okay. I enjoyed it. Um, I- tell me, tell me more about love and thunder just because I want to see it. I know some things about the comics that I know they're doing with like Jane and Thor's character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious to see how that will match up. Um, I think Jane, I like I like Nellie Portman in this movie quite a bit, though I don't think she quite nails. She's not really famous for like being in comedies, and so I think that she doesn't totally jibe with the Taika Waititi tone that Chris Hemsworth and like Tessa Thompson have kind of nailed. Um, but that said, I think she's very good in the movie. I think there are some parts in the movie with her that, I, that are some of the best parts of the movie. I think Christian Bale is the best part of the movie. I really like his villain. I wish there was more of him in it. Um, I think every sequence with him is probably some of the best sequences of the movie. There are things about it that I find very frustrating. Um, there, are, there are a couple like things that the movie does that I think actually have like annoyingly larger than intended mythology or like lore implications. Um, but this movie is very clearly trying to have fun. It's not like a game changing movie that's that's setting up anything huge in the MCU, which I actually kind of liked. It's kind of its own thing. Um, okay, I appreciate that. But there is there is like a running <coughs> gag in it that I was just had me dying with laughter. Um, that I actually wish they would have kept running even more, even longer, to the point of like driving the audience crazy. I know um, that um, I know that goats factor in, and I know that Thor in um, Norse mythology had two very interesting goats. So the I'm goat, curious to see the goat is the gag I am referring yeah, to. Yeah, so I'm um, curious to see how they do the goats. 
I was just about to say, I'm reading my like letterboxed uh, profile and I'm like, and I watched Dark Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> and you're like, when? I watched two uh, Warren Car Y movies. Uh, before that, I had only seen one of them in The Mood for Love, which is is good. Um, it's He is like hailed as one of like the all time great directors um, of the last like 50 years. And I wanted to kind of see more about what that was about because I thought In the Mood for Love was good, but not the masterpiece that a lot of people say it is. So I watched Chunking Express, um, which I thought was very good. And Fallen Angels, which is kind of like a companion piece to Chunking Express, not like directly related at all, but a movie that he shot like right after using some of the same ideas. Um, I didn't think Fallen Angels was as good, but I would highly recommend Chunking Express. And the last thing I watched was David Cronenberg's new movie, Crimes of the Future. Um, okay, how was that? I So let me put it like this. I... I would rather watch David Cronenberg show up with his kookiness, some original kooky idea with some crazy gore and gross shit any day, almost any day, almost any day over watching like some new bland franchise thing, like a new episode of Obi-Wan, for instance. Um, I, it was kind of bland. I I thought it was going to be more intense. It was very highly hyped about like, it's, it's like disturbing violence. And I did not think it was that at all. Um, I I thought it was generally interesting though. Not, not like a great movie. I enjoyed it, but not like a a, a ton. Um, I would recommend it just because it's really interesting to see David Cronenberg do his thing. Um, I have not gotten tired of that. Um, and yeah, watching more One Piece, I replayed Portal. Um, we'll did probably you get start it for Switch. Yes, or has it? Has it? It did come out. It, it came did. Out the day yeah, twenty dollars is a steal for Portal One and Portal Two. Portal yeah. Two, one yeah. of my favorite games ever. I can't wait to replay that. Um, haven't played it since college. Um, playing a game that we're gonna do next week. Well, I probably mentioned yeah. it last week, but I'll just I'm not gonna yeah. say it again here. Um, yeah, and I mentioned I watched The Boys. I recommend that show. Yeah, how about yeah. you? I um I've been reading One Piece. I have like 60, 65 chapters until I'm fully caught up. Um, so that has been interesting. I imagine it's gonna be really hard waiting week to week for new chapters. So I think when I'm done with this current run, I'm just gonna let it build up for a while. Um, I've been playing Fire Emblem Three Houses again. Um, I've been playing Fire Emblem Three Hopes. Um, so you know, those two are going hand in hand. Um, and then I've been playing Monster Hunter Rise. Um, I recently traveled um, for the week and I didn't bring my Switch. So I brought my 3DS and kind of forgot that I had Monster Hunter Ultimate 4, or I'm sorry, 4 Ultimate on my 3DS that I had downloaded forever ago. So I started playing that, got super into it over the week. And um, yeah, started playing Rise again. Hopefully in Rise, my plan is to, um, like in a week, um, beat enough of the main game to jump into the DLC. Because mm-hmm. I hear very good things about the DLC. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know you have never played a Monster Hunter game. Correct. And it's one of those, I think it seems it's like it's at the top of your list of franchises that if you could have me play a franchise and try it out, it'd be, it, that'd be it. It would be it. I think you would get lost in it forever. Um, I think it's it's a game you would enjoy. I would start with Rise. Okay. I, I do remember that. I, that is, It's on my radar in that sense. Um I, I have a lot of things, a lot of new games I want to play. I keep like putting off games that I need to play like Chrono Cross and playing old games like Portal and Portal 2. And, and um, yeah, I have new memories. Yeah, I guess so. 
I, I really should. But anyway. okay, bye. Okay, bye. You know, hey, you know what? You know who else would love this movie? Woody.